I'm Jody Nisnik, and you're listening to So Much More. In John 16, 12, Jesus stated, there is so much more I want to tell you. He then pointed to the spirit as the one who would come, who would further his teaching by bringing his word to life for us. So much more creates space for God to reveal his truth through his word. Today, I'm excited to have Sybil Towner with me as we have a conversation around Matthew 19 and what the Lord is teaching her. Sybil is a spiritual director and the co-author of Listen to My Life and co-founder of One Life Maps. She and her husband, Dick, also oversee and direct the Springs Retreat Center in Illinois, which invites Christian leaders to retreat, rest, and find refreshment to continue serving him. Sybil is known for her discerning, accepting, and wise presence, which has been cultivated over a lifetime of experience in spiritual direction, and I am truly excited to share her with you today. So welcome, Sybil. So glad that you are here. Those are very kind words, and I'm so glad to be with you, Jody. Well, Sybil, what are we missing? Is there anything else you want to add to tell us a little bit more about who you are? Um, well, I think you um, you you just sort of gave a, a broad brush uh, stroke, but I think uh, the thing I would like to say about myself and Dick at this point in our lives, we uh, have taken on since age fifty the um, uh, the the painting by Rembrandt of the Return of the Prodigal Son, and we see ourselves practicing welcoming the sons and daughters home. Mm. So, uh, uh, so our journey from our fifties on and Dick's 84 and I'm 80, uh, we, um, we find ourselves going out less and welcoming people home more. And, uh, and so in that, uh, story that is from the scriptures that now in intersects his own life with that, uh, the business of not uh, needing any more to be the younger brother in his thoughts and life, or to be the older brother, but to become the father and to become, as it were, the father and the mother, since the uh, father ha- carries uh, carries both in it. So that just feels like a right space for us in our lives now. And uh, and to me, it's one of the calls within the church that those of us who really do not need to hear another message, I'm so sorry for the pastors in the room, um, but uh, we need to be elders. We need to be elders, and we need to be present to those who are searching and looking and on their way to say, continue coming, coming, and I'll journey with you uh, along this path. And what are your questions? And knowing that the Spirit of God is in them, it just needs to be awakened and encouraged and blessed and loved. Oh, that is just such a beautiful a uh, place that the Lord has led you. And I love how you've embraced that. And thank you for sharing that with us. I'm super yeah. encouraged just listening to yeah. you say that. So thank you for saying that. 
Well, um, we did an imaginative prayer exercise and meditation on Matthew 19. And so before we dive in, I want to read that passage for us to just remind us of it. Uh, This is a conversation. I would say it's mid to late ish in Jesus's ministry. And, you know, Jesus has caused quite a stir. People are very curious about him. And this is where this young man comes up to him and he has some questions for Jesus. So this is a reading of Matthew 19 verses 16 through 26. Just then a man came up to Jesus and asked, teacher, what good thing must I do to get eternal life? Why do you ask me about what is good? Jesus replied, there is only one who is good. If you want to enter life, keep the commandments. Which ones? He inquired. Jesus replied, you shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. Honor your father and mother and love your neighbor as yourself. All these I have kept, the young man said. What do I still lack? Jesus answered, if you want to be perfect, go sell your possessions and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. When the young man heard this, he went away sad because he had great wealth. Then Jesus said to his disciples, truly, I tell you, It is hard for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of heaven. Again, I tell you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. When the disciples heard this, they were greatly astonished and asked, who then can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, with man, this is impossible, but with God, All things are possible. So there's a lot that happens and unfolds in that passage. And Sybil, I'd love to know as you read and let the Lord kind of paint the scene for you, what, what are some of the things that you imagined, um, saw or heard? Tell us a little bit about that. Well, uh, the, one of the things that I saw was where they had actually been the day before that had Mm -hmm. not. uh, um, And again, uh, this is Matthew recording it. So, um, but the day before he had just announced uh, and blessed the children and said, unless you come to the kingdom as a child, you cannot enter it at all. So I'm picturing, okay, this is really confusing. We are, we are grown men and the women who gathered around who were following in that, uh, um, in that space. Um, we've never heard language like this. And so, um, so with that picture sort of following me that, um, the trust and innocence of a child Hmm. without any stuff. They haven't worked. They haven't earned. And now here we are with someone who 
has a full, uh, well, has been successful, mm-hmm. at least in the eyes uh, of the world and even of the world of faith that, uh, yeah. uh, that you would, that stuff and money really gets something and uh, that gets you somewhere and s- announces God's blessing. So, um, so they're, they're the disciples and, and as I sort of mill in the crowd with them wondering, I, I'm, I'm captivated by, is there more and what is it that he's trying to say? And one of the questions I had, he didn't say all the commandments, right? And I, and I'm thinking, that's really, that's curious. He's, he, he, he didn't say, well, he did. I mean, I thought to myself, when, when he, he belied himself, well, one, who was good, but God, I thought, all right, I, if I'm blind, I, that thing just goes right over my head, but I'm, I'm curious and a bit open and hearing it. And then I get the last part about, all right, sell all that you have and follow me. And I'm thinking that's the first four commandments to love the Lord, your God, with all your heart, mind, and soul, because what he said was your neighbor as yourself. So the one to worship is standing right in front of you. And I'm thinking, oh my gosh, do you see it? Do Mm. you do you do you get it? Uh, I am he. I I am I am the one, and uh, you know I sort of want to jump up and down and <laughs> and uh, yeah. uh, and uh, uh, say, do you get it? And then I think about myself. Um, I I don't think I don't think I would have come and said I've kept the commandments. I've kept them all my life because actually in my own experience and that as I come, I have seen either I have acted or had the temptation to really disregard every commandment. So I really come needy. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't come saying, what more do I need to do? I've, I've ticked all these things off my list. Right. And uh, so give me the last assignment so I can kind of get this taken care of. Um, so in that regard, uh, I don't identify with him, but I do identify with our culture and the temptation of our culture. Mm-hmm. And and the way this isn't an imagining, but this is a revealing, um, the way I the way I lived it out in sort of my first 50 years is I came from a lot of deprivation and so, and delayed gratification and living in with a pretty tight structure. And so my sense was that by the time I'm 50, I'll be able to get what I want and uh, sort of have um, there would be enough money to do whatever I wanted. Well, it just so happened that, you know, here I am standing uh, 
before Jesus and saying, that actually doesn't change. Um, You now get to face yourself. And for me, in that imagining, what do what, how do I become perfect? And so what is lacking? For me, the way that came was I I housed a vision that I thought God had for my life, and I localized it into a position. And that's what I held on to. And I came to a place, being on a church staff, where that position was not given to me. And so I was brokenhearted. Mm. I kept it quiet. It was to myself and maybe and a few others, my husband and a couple other people, but I didn't share it with anybody. And then I went off and uh, was quiet before the Lord. And so in the regard of the of that rich young ruler, it was about detachment. And the thing that he said to me was, mm-hmm. Sybil, can you detach from the, the from the localizing the position because the vision is clear the vision was given by me but you made it the way you wanted it and uh, uh and i think that has a bit of connection to the uh to the rich young ruler mine was a bit more subtle but i collected collateral in doing work and experience and and uh thinking okay i i think i've arrived mm-hmm. and sort of can't you see it yeah i i love how you just talked about that the vision was clear and yet we have decided how it should be manifest, how it should play out, what should be happening in our lives. And, um, if I can get real personal too, uh, I'm nearing 50 and I thought my life would look very different than it does right now. I did just move away from a a very demanding full-time position on the pastoral staff at a church, um, to, to do something that God has revealed some of and hasn't revealed all of, but the vision is clear. The, how it's going to happen is very different. And so when you were saying all of that, I'm, I just, I feel like, yes, I totally understand that. I think most people can understand that. What is it? Um, I think the core issue is what, what was holding this man back from pursuing all that Jesus was offering. Um, you know, early on, when you started answering, you were sit as a bystander saying, don't you get it? Don't you get it? And I was thinking, yes, that that's so true. And yet I wonder if I was standing in that crowd, if I would just be just as, as bewildered and confused as everyone else, because I wouldn't actually know who Jesus is yet either. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Well, you see, I, I was, I had come and I'd been with the children. And so, uh, so I, 
I, I had that sort of innocent, um, uh, I, I felt an innocent space and, and, uh, mm. um, and I was drawn to that, uh, uh, part at one point, but then in, in identifying, uh, with the rich young ruler and the detachment I had, I had to detach with the program for happiness. This is a Keating comment, but my program for happiness was this position and it was all wanting to do what God wanted. I mean, it was, I wasn't trying to live out. Sure. Yeah, on paper it it looked really good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so, uh, um, so the the question um, was really: Are you willing? Are you willing to trust me? And are you willing to follow me? Mm. And uh, and that and I went. Uh, I the man. Uh, I I looked and I felt a sadness because my journey looked different. I actually didn't go away sad. I went away broken. And that brokenness led me to solitude and to retreat and and opened me to listen and to listen to something more. Mm. And uh, And we don't know the end of the story. So, so... Uh, so I'm hopeful, right? Um, that there's more to the story that um, would be on the other side because this isn't a parable. This was an actual man who lived at the time that he lived and uh, interacted with Jesus, and who was really trying, yeah, to be good, yeah. Um, that's a really good point. I think, you know, we kind of assume he goes away sad and it's just like, but what does he do with that? What does that sadness lead him to? And I, I love where you even went, the brokenness led you basically to the feet of Jesus. And hopefully when we get to heaven, we will meet this man and we will hear the rest of the story and it yes. will be, yes, I surrendered. And I realized yes. all the riches in the world, all the checking the boxes of obedience were not actually going to give me life. And yes. only this man, Jesus would give me life. Um, yeah. And, and I don't know which translation I looked up, a, read a couple of different translations as I was entering this, but there is a translation that says um, he loved him or he looked on him with love. I don't know. As I say, I couldn't find that. Uh, that wasn't in the, mm. anyway, it wasn't yeah. in, it wasn't in any of the translations that I read. Uh, but I do remember that. Uh, I mean, that I've, I've having heard it preached, but I would say for me again, uh, the, the last line I thought about it with man, it is impossible with God. All things are possible. And I felt like I had to get out of the way. Mm. I had to get out of the way of my doing whatever needed to be done 
to be right with God, to get to do what I wanted to do, which a piece of God thing was in there, but it was me managing it. Mm. So, uh, uh, so that, and, and actually, as I was imagining it, I really went back to, I really went back to Luke and to just imagining Mary because it was another impossible situation. And again, I, I, because again, the line comes again and with God at the end of Luke, all things are possible. Mm. How this happened. So that's not a new line. I mean, again, it might, it, it wouldn't be, might not be in the memory of any of those people, but I'm remembering hearing that. Mm. Mm. And, uh, I was just invited, well, detach from anything but the will of God for my life. He is able. And our temptation, my uh, my temptation is not so much stuff or money, but it's the capacity to do what I think God wants me to do my way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You, I, I would love to know, you talked about you trying to manage the will of God for you. Yes, um, yes. How did you get to a place where you stopped managing it? It came to a place of brokenness where I saw what I had been doing. And and I went to Gethsemane, which is in uh, Kentucky, a, a retreat center, and spent a week. And I took In the Name of Jesus by Henry Nowen, A Chance to Die by Elizabeth Elliott uh, on the life of Amy Carmichael and my Bible. And, and I was invited to walk the stations of the cross. Mm. And what I needed to know, and I wonder... If I mean, in in the sense of identifying at that space in my life with the rich young ruler, or the rich young man, um, he needed to know he was beloved, mm. and that's what I experienced on that retreat. I experienced. I, I walked the stations of the cross, and. Again, I had gotten it, but I hadn't, but I, I'd lived out the fabric of my Christian life on the basis of my cultural understanding, on the basis of my family of origin, and now I was going to move into a place that it was counter-cultural, and it comes on the basis of knowing my belovedness, and that seared me through and through, and then... God took me out on a hillside and he took me to another text to John 21. And he just asked me the questions. Do you love me? Mm. And if you love me, feed my sheep. And then after that, he said, all right, when you were younger and again announced me, you went where you wanted to go, did what you wanted to do. And, and, but now that you are older, I will take you where you do not want to go, I will dress you. And for Peter, it meant the way he would die. But I think for each of us, and for me, it was the death of my ego. Now, not total, it's never total, but it was a pretty good blow (laughs) that, that 
that I was going to recognize it when it surfaced again. And, uh, and I said, yes. And I actually went into nothing. Uh, I mean, I left the church where I had been and Dick and I w- went to Willow Creek and we had, I had no position and nobody knew me. And I went, came, I mean, it was really the journey inward. Now let me teach you. Let me teach you what I want to do in and through you. And it began a two-decade journey that I could never have imagined. And everything that went before was incorporated into it. Um, but he was now in the driver's seat. Gosh, that's so beautiful and hopeful and hard. <laughs> yeah. But I, I sense and, and feel from yeah. you this deep well of hope because you let go and you did figure out how to detach. And I'm sure it was again and again and again and again. Yes. But then your life with the Lord, your walk with the Lord, um, the abundant living that he gives us, it feels like that started to flourish in your life in a different way. Is that yes. true? Yes. And, and, and I, and I walked and, and, uh, in a little park near our home and there was a grieving, I mean, there, and I watched the oak leaves that actually stay on. They don't all come off till about March. And so I looked at them and I said, huh, well, I'm not finished grieving either. And if you're going to hang on to your tree a little longer, I'm going to hang on a little longer too. And then, and, and then God gave me one instruction mm-hmm. and just said, Sybil, if someone asks you to do something and you can do it, say yes, but do not try to start or do anything yourself. And wow. so yeah. just develop relationships one at a time. So it was really beginning again. And, uh, and, and I, I wouldn't trade it for anything. And, and then at age 70, coming to the retreat center, it was beginning again. Mm. I mean, it was moving to a place where I didn't know anybody um uh, so it, it's happened yet again um and the place of invitation and depth uh and detachment has a chance to work itself so so that the the aspect of that rich young ruler um don't hold on sybil to, to myself don't hold on to that which you can't take to heaven with you. Mm-hmm. Don't hold on. So the program for happiness of how much I have, what people say about me, and what I do, hold those really lightly. And listen, and and those words that struck me really uh, strong again, follow me. And to follow him, you had to really 
not only surrender, but be in a posture of listening so that you could know where he was leading. Yes. It's about a relationship. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah, it is. And it's an inner work. Yeah. And so it's, it's a, uh, yeah, it's an, and it requires slowing silence, walking with the rhythm of creation. Mm -hmm. That's beautiful right there in the seasons, like you were just talking about the tree and, you know, spring comes, but it comes after winter. (laughs) Yes. It comes after there's death and grieving new things can be born. Um, Oh yeah. That's all of this just speaks very deeply to me. So I really appreciate all of that. So, um, I am incredibly disappointed because we have pretty much run out of time, which I can't believe it. It happened so fast. Um, And I just, I would just want you to know, thank you so much for your deep insight, just how you entered into that passage for us, brought it to life, even went back to the previous passage. I think that's just such a useful tool when you're doing an experience like imaginative prayer is really not just taking a little slice out of something, although that is kind of what we're doing in the experience. But if you know the bigger context, let that be a part of it. Let the Lord guide and lead you with the assistance of the spirit to see and imagine and enter in and feel. Um, And so I think you just were, that was such a beautiful example of doing all of those things. So thank you for sharing that with us and ministering to us with your words. Thank you. Thank you. Beautiful to journey with you. Well, I also just want to thank you all for joining me again on so much more because we really do believe that Jesus has so much more to say to us. And this is just one way that we are creating space to listen. I found myself on a ledge three stories high at some condominiums, contemplating my life and struggling to understand my purpose. Have you ever found yourself on the ledge? My name is Billy Yates. I'm a caring father, mentor, and friend. In my new podcast, Billy and the Goat, I share the life-changing events that shaped who I am today to remind you that no matter how far you've fallen, God can help you get up and thrive. Listen now at lifeaudio.com.